Hi, friends. Welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. On this podcast, we introduce you to the women of Christ Chapel Bible Church. We love being encouraged to live out our faith in Jesus by hearing the stories of women in our church community. We are so glad that you're here. We are excited about the next three weeks because we are handing over the mic, or at least handing over one of the mics. We asked some of our young adult women to take the lead on a few episodes, decide the topic, and ask the questions, and they chose discipleship. It's something close to the heart of Jesus, an opportunity to partner with someone and say, follow me as I follow Christ. Listen in over the next few weeks as Brooke, Caroline, and Alexi ask Misty, Camille, and I about what discipleship is and why it matters. In this episode, Brooke Seal and I get to share a conversation about one of our favorite things and why we love it so much. Here's our conversation. Hi, welcome to Encouraged and Equipped. I'm Kathy. I'm here with my friend Brooke Seal, and we are doing something different, unique, and really fun today and for the next few weeks. Actually, Brooke had an idea, and we are going to go with it. She is really wise and fun and said, hey, Kathy, what if we did some episodes where we gave the mic to some young adults, which Brooke is one, and we're going to have some other women come on. And what if we let them lead the episodes and just ask questions? So Brooke, we're doing it. We're doing it. And if this crashes and burns, it was not my idea. (laughs) And if it goes well, it was my idea. (laughs) It's totally going to go great because it's going to be really fun. So this week and for the next few weeks, you're going to have young adults ask Misty and Camille and I questions. We gave them free reign. We have gotten maybe a little bit of an idea of some of the things that at least topics that we may talk about, but they may totally change it. And so Brooke in a minute is going to have the mic. But first, we are going to start as we do every episode with a little something that has brought us joy. And I'll go first while Brooke thinks about hers. Um, I went to a wedding on Sunday, and it was really fun. And it's just reminded me what a gift it is when I get to rejoice with other people, even if it's just something small, you finished a project or you finished your Christmas shopping or you had a birthday party. I love getting to celebrate and rejoice with other people over small things and big things. And so I am really grateful for that, that we get to experience good things with people. And so that's what I'm really thankful for today. I love that. Um, I feel like over the years, you've probably gotten to experience lots of weddings with lots of people. So so great. It's a job. It's a bonus, not a job hazard, a job bonus (laughs) for people like us. It is. Um, I would say um, a peek behind the curtain for a listener. We are recording in December leading up to Christmas. And so I just got back from being in Mississippi with my family, uh, which is usually uh, very closely tied to my joy. And my family did a, I went home to celebrate a Christmas tradition we do every year with my dad's side of my family where we um, all gather together and sit and read the Christmas story from Luke 2 and sing hymns and just try to get our hearts right for the Christmas season, which is so fun and special. And it's such a simple idea. Um, But my family's faithfulness to just carry that out every year has been such a testament of just, Mm -hmm. I think, faithfulness. And um, it's sweet, too, because so many of my family know and love Jesus. And I think a lot of it is just tied to how we are able to prioritize the Lord. So really grateful for my family and that legacy of faith and glad I got to see them recently in the busyness that can be December and kind of the chaos. And so really grateful for time with them and that I was able to do that. 
I love hearing about Brooks home and Christmas on the farm <laughs> and I low key drop hints all the time about <laughs> going to either Christmas at the farm or Brooks hometown. So I will Anytime. drop another hint <laughs> on Mike yeah. that I want to go. Yeah, listeners, email Brooks us home. or like comment on the post on Instagram about this episode. And be like Brooke for the love, like take Kathy to Mississippi. <laughs> I get I, it. I've been begging for a while. I get it. You I have. have. You have. You've been it's, consistent. It's true. It's true. <laughs> okay. Well. Brooke Seal, the mic is yours. That's what do you want to talk about? It's a dangerous game. I no, feel it's so, a fun game. I've got a place being on this side. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we were talking, gosh, I think we've talked about this idea on and off for months of just this idea of, I think, discipleship is something you and I have both, one, been personally impacted by all of our lives, and two, care deeply about and really Very believe in so. the power of and the importance of being obedience and discipleship. And so for this episode and the couple that follow, we're really going to hone in on, man, what is discipleship? What does it look like? And I think that word is so loaded in the church, and I think it can have a subjective definition and meaning if you're not careful. And so we really wanted to start out this little mini-series of sorts on discipleship, really just talking about what it means to us and what we feel like the Bible says about discipleship and even how we've tangibly and practically seen it lived out, whether we're receiving it or giving it or have just been impacted by it. And so kind of start out, Kathy, I would love just to hear from you, like, why does discipleship matter? Well, that might take the whole episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that'll be okay. <laughs> because kind of two very different thoughts come to my mind. And so I'll start with maybe the biblical one and then the personal one, though they're interconnected. When you first asked me that question, the scripture that comes to my mind is Matthew 28, where mm -hmm. Jesus talks about uh, or sends his disciples out actually to go and make disciples around the world. And so my short answer to why does discipleship matter is because Jesus said it did. <laughs> and it's written in the Bible. Yeah, that's the Sunday school answer. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that would be important. But I also just love the idea that he gave it to a group of people and mm -hmm. kind of sent a group of people out to do it. And I love the idea that, yes, I may be meeting with one person, quote unquote, discipling them. But really, it's this idea of all of us together being disciples and making disciples. Mm -hmm. And I just love that picture of it's this gift and command kind of given to the church to go and do that. So I think that's one reason that it matters. Maybe that's my short answer to why it sure. matters. My very long and maybe short answer is I cannot imagine my life without discipleship. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, literally, because you dropped a hint that this is what we were going to talk about. Honestly, and again, I know we're going to talk about other things, I assume, but I really haven't been able to get over the past few days thinking about what my life would be like if people had not discipled me. Mm. I mean, I've had thought after thought and person, several people specifically come to my mind and just these pictures of, first of all, what they said to me or how they encouraged me or encouraged me to serve or sent me out or rebuked me or mm. taught me. And, and those yeah. were impactful. But I also, some of the things that have come to my mind are just the fact that they let me close enough to them to see how they walked with Jesus, and I more picked up what they did. I have memories of when I was in college, this sweet woman with three preschoolers allowed college women enter her home at 9 p.m. every Monday night. Now, I think Bless her how heart. tired she must have been, but I watched her, how she interacted with her husband when he came home. I watched how she 
interacted with her kids. I heard how she talked about her friends. Like I have this, and again, things like her saying, yeah, we went to the park yesterday and had lunch with some friends and played with their kids. And realizing she was real busy and it would have been much easier for her to just go through Chick-fil-A. She was like, you know, they really don't have the uh, means to do that. So I just suggested we meet at a park Mm. and not go out to eat. And in my mind, I was like, that was discipling me about Mm -hmm. how to consider and look at other people. And then I watched she and her husband and their family. They had a really significant job and they quit their job to go to seminary to then travel to share the gospel in a country that was close to people from the United States, even being able to come in. Mm. And yes, that seems big and dramatic, but it was more, I watched them follow Jesus and make decisions the entire time I was with them. And they just let me close enough to see how they walked with Jesus. And I'm like, how different would my life have been if there wasn't someone that let me close enough to just kind of see, this is what walking with Jesus looks like. And then kind enough to look at me and say, here's what I see in you. Here's how you can grow in Jesus. And I just think I would be, I I don't even know how to talk about how different my life would be without people like that. So I feel like I could talk about this forever. So I'll show one more thing and then you can interrupt or follow up. (laughs) Um, I also think because of watching her and others, I feel like I was able to catch and see the joy of also being able to do that for other people, which seems really scary to even say out loud because I see my own sin real clearly. And I'm like, uh, you should provide someone else to (laughs) don't invite anybody into that. Like like it's scary (laughs) to be like, I disciple other people because I'm like, that that idea is putting your life on display. Yeah. It seems ridiculous because you're like, here's 5,000 other people that would do a better job of this than me. So go right ahead. But if being a disciple means I'm trying to follow Jesus and love him and I'm failing in getting up because to be honest, one of the things that was really impactful for me by the people that discipled me was letting them see their sin and how they responded to it. Because as a type A perfectionist, anytime I made any mistake, I would feel like I don't really love Jesus. My faith isn't enough. Like I would, Mm. I would over, I don't want to say overbeat myself up, but I would get really panicked about any small sin. And then looking at me and being like, well, here's what I did today. (laughs) And here's what I wrestle with was actually really helpful. So I totally got myself off track. Can you tell I could talk about this? (laughs) Yeah, I know, which I love. It's Um, important. Okay. So what I was saying, okay, the gift of, I guess it feels, I guess it is discipling other people or letting them close enough to me and them letting me know them enough to say, hey, here's what the Bible says. Yeah. Is just a really fun way to live life. Mm, like to yeah. get to know people and them know you. Yeah. On the one hand, scary. Mm-hmm. But because I believe I'm saved by Jesus's grace, I messed up yesterday. I'm going to mess up today. Yeah. Like on the one hand, it's scary for people to see that. But on the other hand, they're sinning too. And if I yeah. can somehow say, Hey, here's how Grace stepped in and made a difference in my life. Yeah. Anyway, I just love it. Okay. Yeah. Sorry, that was a lot of words. No, that's so good. I think you hinted at a couple things that we're going to expound on. And honestly, I mean, we could stop recording right now. Like, I think even in that, where I think the key nuggets to what my hope and prayer in this topic of discipleship that people that listen to this walk away with is one, it's something that we're all called to do. 
Yes. And I think you give it and receive it. And two, it the goal is isn't perfection. The goal is obedience to Jesus and inviting others into it. And it's based on relationships, which I think your answer really covered that. And in, and you said it really well. Man, these people just loved me enough and trusted the Lord enough to invite me in to see how they follow Jesus. And you paid attention to that. And the Holy Spirit used that to pick up on those things. It's not like that woman necessarily sat you down and was like, notice how I invited them to the park. <laughs> no, like, she just told me a story about what she did. Being that. obedient to Jesus. And then the Holy Spirit used your being humble enough to know that you could learn from her to bless and multiply that. And I think something that I'm really passionate about and I say this a lot in different conversations I'm able to be a part of, but I think we love in the church, we love talking about how much your sin can affect other people and how it has wide reaching effects, but so does your obedience. Mm-hmm. And I think that's not on display anywhere else quite like it is in discipleship relationships of your obedience has the, has the ability to impact other people positively. Um, and in a way that points them to Jesus, not to us. So I was also thinking about, um, Again, just this kind of idea of letting people close enough to you and the relational, the relationships that come. Let me also say this. That can feel like, well, Kathy, did you move in and live with them? I'm like, no. I saw <laughs> totally. her every Monday with 10 other women. Mm. And we went to the same church and I watched her from a distance. Yeah, And I'm using her as an example. There could be other people. And sure. so- I don't want to make it sound like overwhelming of like she invited them in and sat with her in her quiet time every day. No, I was around her and she was just walking with Jesus. And it made me think about how uh, Jesus and Paul, I feel like are people that I watched when Mm. you think about how they discipled people. Like when you, when you read the stories in the Bible, they are also just doing life with people. Like Jesus Mm. slept and woke up and ate breakfast around the 12 disciples that followed him. Yeah. And sure, there were opportunities he taught and rebuked and sent out. And and I think about Paul doing the same thing, about there were times that he taught, there were times that he rebuked, times he encouraged, times he said, hey, I think that you're gifted in this. You should go do that. Mm, and yeah, and so I good. love one of the verses that I memorized it a long time ago um, in First Thessalonians where Paul talks about the fact that he says... Um, that he not only gave them the gospel, um, he said, we were well pleased in part to you, not only the gospel, but also our own lives mm. because you had become very dear to us. And on the one hand, discipleship is 100% giving people Jesus and the gospel. Mm-hmm. But it's also that idea of, hey, I'm going to give you my entire life. And yeah. through that, people and relationships become very dear. And Mm -hmm. so I love that picture of how Paul and Jesus both kind of did that. Um, Okay. So I know that I've talked about why I love discipleship (laughs) and I feel like I'm talking very fast because I get, I talk fast when I get excited. So listener, you probably weren't able to (laughs) that on double speed. They'll just knock it on half speed and it'll be good. Half speed (laughs) and that'll be great. But because I know, Brooke, and I know you mm. love discipleship, too. Yes. I want to hear either why it matters to the you, you mm-hmm. or why you think it should matter to the church. Mm. I love that. I It's something I spend a lot of time, I think, meditating on. It is something I'm super passionate about, similar to you, Kathy. And quite frankly, because of you in a lot of ways, I've been deeply shaped and impacted by discipleship. I think your discipleship to Jesus has impacted me as mm. you've discipled me. And so it's such a cool full circle moment that we get to sit here and have this conversation. But I think 
I think the church specifically should care about discipleship because we're called to do it. Mm-hmm. But I, I remember about a year ago, it might have been less than a year, Cody actually gave a sermon. And this is when, I think this was around the time we were starting our Be Make Reach initiative. Yeah. And we were talking about reaching people. And he made a comment and he said, you know, the thing about discipleship is that if the church doesn't do it, no one else will. Like the church, we are the only ones who can disciple people the way we're talking about doing it to Jesus. You right. Out in the world, you're always being discipled, whether actively or passively, right? Like you become who you hang out with um, is an expression. And that's so true. And I think if the church isn't, because your discipleship of others has to flow out of your discipleship to Jesus, to be clear. That's what we're talking about. Of like, yes. hey, like Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Absolutely. It's not, I don't want to make you look more like Brooke Seal. I want to help you through my own brokenness and limits and questions and failings, but also sweet moments with the Lord and and my obedience. I want to help people know and love Jesus more because through that, they're going to look more like Him. And I think that in its essence is what discipleship is all about. And again, because the church is the only one who has access to those things in the way it does, we should care deeply about discipleship. And the church is called to do lots of things, and it can be overwhelming. But I think discipleship is something that we cannot delegate away. Um, and I don't think we should. I think, you know, I've I've been so blessed by just the privilege it's been to walk with other women who have and pastors who have discipled me and who I've been able to, by God's grace alone, disciple. Um, yeah, I think— I think it's all about even what you talked about just now of it's not this it's not just I think discipleship I bet the average person that listens to this will think oh discipleship is one on one for an hour in a really clean cut time frame every week with this one person for maybe an indefinite amount of time and and I, if it is that great sure I think that can be a form of it but I don't think that's all it is and I think mm-hmm. um yeah, I think my faith and the fruit in my life has been deeply impacted by people who took a personal interest in me and were like, man, I see Jesus in you and I see how he's gifted and wired and called you and I want to help you get there because you're not going to get anywhere alone on this side of heaven. You know, it's if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think that's what overwhelmed me when you mentioned, hey, let's talk about discipleship was I thought, If I had tried to do it alone, well, frankly, there are times I did try to do it alone. Sure. And I don't want to say that Jesus in the scriptures couldn't have met me and pulled me out. I just think Jesus chose to use people. (laughs) And so I guess I look back on that and I'm just so overwhelmed in a good way with how radically positively they've impacted their life, even though they would be well aware of their own sin and failings too. Yeah, totally. I'm, I think that makes total sense. I I think, too, something I really love about discipleship, and maybe we'll talk about this more in a couple of minutes, but I think, too, like we said a minute ago, it's not about making someone look more like Kathy or more like Brooke. Definitely not. And thank goodness. Like, I, apart from Christ, I will spend an eternity separated from the Lord, right? Like, only because of Christ and His grace and His work in my life do I look anything like Jesus and can stand before the Lord totally forgiven and cleared of my sin. And so I think discipleship has to be about man, follow me as I follow Christ. And I think over the years, I've I've been super blessed because of my role at Christ Chapel. I've gotten to do a lot of really personal discipleship of a lot of young women. And I think God in His kindness, women will come up to me and, and 
years later or or even months later and be like, Brooke, when you said da 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 da, that really impacted me. And I'm like, I don't even remember saying that. You know, like, don't you just that love was a it Holy when the Spirit. Lord like <laughs> totally. I'm like, that. Are you sure it's me? Do you mean with another curly-haired girl named Brooke, maybe, like on Thursdays? I don't know. You know? And it's like I, even in my limits and things, I I get to, and I've disappointed women I disciple. I've sinned against them. I've not had the right answer. I've put my foot in my mouth. And I think my dad always says, if you wait for the perfect time to do something, you'll never do anything. Mm -hmm. And that's so true. And so I also hope that this podcast is really encouraging and permission giving too to women that hear it of your life should be marked by discipleship. You should be humble enough to ask for help and to receive it, but to also offer it to someone who's newer in their faith or younger than you. And and discipleship isn't someone with a seminary degree sitting across from someone with their Bible open and like exegeting a passage. That can be what it looks like, but that's not the only thing. It's like you're you're making a disciple. If you're a believer, you're discipling that young high school or college student that comes and babysits your kids on the weekends, right? Like in how you interact with her and how you ask her intentional questions and how you make sure she gets home safely. And she's watching how you love on your kiddos, you know, and things like that. And you're discipling people when you're serving in kids ministry on Sunday and you're discipling. I there's this sweet young family that goes to the same service as me. And so I see them on Sundays really consistently. And it's this cute young family and they've got four little ones and I always <laughs> see them running around. And I'm sure that young mom sometimes feels really exasperated or overwhelmed that her kids are just traipsing <laughs> her all over around the church. Right. But I see her and I go, Oh, it's you and your little disciples because <laughs> she's a mom and that's her first and foremost. That's a call in her life right now is to make disciples in her home. And so mm-hmm. if you're a young mom, if you're an, if you're an older mom, you're discipling your kids. You're discipling the people that you led into your home, you know, and you're, I, I don't know. I think, I don't want us to so narrowly define it that we make it more or less than what Jesus made it to be. And so I hope that our conversation mm-hmm. does that well, you know, like gets around that. So um, with that, Kathy, can you expand a little on some of your wisdom and even things we've gotten to chat about of just how would you say discipleship works? Like what, what would you say it takes to say you're discipling someone or that you're being discipled? Maybe someone's driving in their car right now and they're like, wait, am I being discipled? Or they're saying, oh no, I'm discipling someone. Like how would you have them process that, think through that, pray through that? Well, a little bit of me thinks that that's a hard question to answer. Sure. Here's why when I think about, well, for a variety of reasons. One, I think that because I've talked about letting people close enough to see us, I think about like, I don't know all the time who's watching me. Mm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Which can be scary and exciting. (laughs) (laughs) You know, so I'm like, you may be at the office as a believer and you may think, oh, I need to reach out to so-and-so and encourage them to walk with Christ. And yes, you probably do. If it's crossed your mind, you probably need to do that. Totally. But like, people are probably watching you. Yeah. And so part of me is like, just because you don't know who's watching you doesn't mean people are. And I even Mm -hmm. think about how Jesus or Paul, there were times that people other than the 12 disciples were referred to as Jesus's disciples. And Mm, so there were times that he taught a crowd of people who were his disciples. There were times there was a smaller group. And so I think that discipleship and how it works is pretty broad. And so for me, One of the questions, at least I ask myself, and you alluded to this earlier, is 
in every interaction, I want to be thinking, is there something I can say or do that would point that person to Jesus mm-hmm. or enable so them to walk more with Jesus? And again, that can be overwhelming to think about because I run into a lot of people every day. And so it's not like I'm at the grocery store thinking I need to spend an hour figuring out how to impact every person. <laughs> it totally. The more I practice it, it becomes more natural. But I'm like, hey, is does that person, and again, this is, I feel like everything that I may say today, I can connect back to someone that did this with me. Yeah. But I think about another person who discipled me and they talked about being aware of where a person is mm. and giving them what they need at that moment. And again, they based really it off good. scripture because that's yeah. where everything comes from. Monish the unruly, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with all men. Mm. And so for me, it kind of starts with really with anyone I meet or people I'm discipling where are they and what would help them in their walk with Jesus? So if if I'm talking to someone and I can tell they are just exhausted, yeah. everything about them is exhausting, that I'm thinking, what can I do or say that would be a help to them? Hmm. If someone walks in and I can tell lovingly that they are just off base on something. Yeah. <laughs> now, admonish doesn't mean I just roll in and say, Brooke, you are wrong about this. <laughs> Usually there's some question asking. There's yes. some honest listening and connecting that brings yeah. us around to, hey, it sounds like this may be going on because frankly, this is what I tend to do when I'm in that situation. Mm-hmm. Can you relate? And we talk through how do we deal with our sin? And mm-hmm. so for me, kind of this idea of how does discipleship work boils down to what context am I in and mm-hmm. what does that person need such that I can push them toward Jesus? Yeah. And so for me, it is, no, I'm in, at times it just happens and at times it's very intentional. And yeah. so I also think back at when I was newer to walking with Jesus, which frankly, I always still feel like I have light years to go, Yep. <laughs> but I can look back and see progress. And so mm-hmm. some of it is learning along the way, how to figure out how has God created and gifted me such that that puts me in a position to disciple well, because mm-hmm. I think different people are gifted differently and built differently and their lives work differently. Yeah, and so for so some good. people, they are, um, incredibly extroverted. Some people more introverted. Some people, um, it's easier for them to do certain things. So I kind of look at how does God, how has God built me, mm. and who are the people that God has put around around me, and the capacity and gifting that I have. And mm. so my answers to that question are going to be different than yours. Yeah. And so, for example, if you are at a workplace, well, then start by looking around at the people God has put around you. If you're mm-hmm. at home, if you're in a neighborhood, if you're in a school, like, who are the people God has put around you? Yeah. What are the volunteer opportunities that have come your way or that Christ Chapel has put before you? If you're yeah. like, hey, I can never fill this need, but here's a need over here. Well, then God's probably calling you to the need that you have the capacity and the ability to fill. And so for me, discipleship looks like looking around at the people and opportunities that are there and stepping into those. I don't know. Does that make sense? I love that. I think that makes a ton of sense. I think too, I think something that I've seen you model well and, and something we've even talked about is this idea that to disciple someone is to really pursue them and prioritize them and to prioritize that relationship. The way I articulate it sometimes is I say, if you're taking up rent in my brain, 
and you're on my heart and you're on my calendar, chances are I'm discipling you, <laughs> you know, like, yep. and vice versa. Like, I feel like you're someone that I know prays for me, checks in, asks intentional questions, and is very quick to admonish the unruly and be patient with the, <laughs> and be patient with the week. I think there have been so many moments where I've, I've found myself sitting in your office or sitting in your living room or on the phone with you when where I'm in a bind, you're one of my first phone calls just because over the years you've shown up again and again. And it wasn't always with an answer or it wasn't, you know, to teach a lesson. You just showed up. You just showed up to love on me. You, I remember one of my favorite memories with Kathy is, uh, I have no idea what you're going to say. I know. I, uh, a couple years ago, I moved into a house and had several roommates, uh-huh. and you didn't really know any of them. Nope. And so you made a comment, and you were like, oh, you talk about your roommates a lot. I would love to know them so that I can just love them well and have context for who you're talking about. Yep. And so sure enough, you came over for dinner, which was one of the most haphazard evenings of my entire life. I But so fun. So much. <laughs> and we think back on that evening all the time. And so discipleship isn't, oh, this older, godlier woman's going to like, prioritize and initiate and pursue this younger woman and impart all this self-righteous wisdom. That's not what it is at all. No. Right? It's, oh, I I think, I think you would say our relationship even is mutually beneficial. 100%. Yeah. And I think that's a sweet part of discipleship too is just the relational aspect at its core and that it's Christ-centered. Like, discipleship can't be about, ooh, let me impart this wisdom to this person or, oh, what does this person need from me? Discipleship has to be centered around what does it look like to point this person to Jesus, to encourage them with Scripture, which is God revealing Himself to us, and to help them look more like Christ? What does it look like to be the hands and feet of Jesus to this person or these people? That's, in its essence, what discipleship is. And I love that you use the word mutually beneficial. And and I've thought and practiced this for years, or maybe the Lord taught me this is actually a better way to say it. Sure. And actually, where I learned it was when I got to lead a small group for high school students. Yeah. And I don't want to act like I wasn't, if we were to count up, what did you give to them and they give to you? I mean, maybe I gave more to them or certainly I hope I had more wisdom. I hope I had more maturity than they did. But to be honest, if you're a believer, first of all, if you're a human, God has created you in his image and there's a decent chance, actually a really good chance that there's something about you and the way you do your life that I can learn from you. Mm, There's a, that's cool. Whether you are a believer or not a believer. Well, then if you're a believer mm-hmm. and you have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, that means the Holy Spirit has given you certain gifts, mm-hmm. most likely ones I don't have. Mm-hmm. So I can be learning from you. Yeah, I can be impacted by you. Mm-hmm. And to be honest, if I believe it's the Holy Spirit who teaches us through the scriptures primarily, I'm learning from you. Now, again, is that did it always feel like that after every meeting with a high school student? No. <laughs> but to be honest, I think at any stage in life, it's really fun to look back at when you first believed in Jesus or when you first learned something new and remember to be excited about that. Yeah. And when I'm cool. with someone that is learning something for the first time that I may have known for a while, or if I'm with someone who's just become a believer, I don't care what age you are, there is something that is incredibly exciting about that. Yeah. That brings a passion within me. And I look for, and I think Brooke, you could give testimony to this. There's things that Brooke is markedly better at than me, (laughs) markedly more gifted at than me. And there are many times that I think I should ask Brooke that because Brooke is 
better at that than me or gifted at that than me or not even better or gifted, but Brooke is a believer mm-hmm. and has read her Bible and so <laughs> has wisdom by virtue of that. And so I, and Brooke knows this about me, and this, I don't know that this is going to be everyone, but I really enjoy being friends with people of any and all ages and yes. spiritual maturity and opportunities. Yeah. So one of the reasons it's hard for me to answer the question, how do you know if someone's discipling you or you're discipling someone is in large measure, I look at people as friends and I don't know if yeah. that's good or bad. That's just how, how you do I'm kind of built. And so I'm like, are you yeah. discipling Brooke? I'm like, I mean, Brooke's my friend. I mean, <laughs> totally, <laughs> totally. Jesus. Yeah. Sure. Are there things that maybe... I mean, I hope I say to Brooke that are helpful or model totally. for Brooke that are helpful. Sure. Are there things that Brooke helps me with? Yeah. Yeah. And so honestly, that question kind sure. of, because of how I'm built, I'm like, oh, like it's what? actually a good question I should probably think about. <laughs> I'm the problem <laughs> totally. in this, not you. <laughs> so, but I, and again, I like people. And so yeah. I like getting to know people and walking with them. And so that mutually beneficial or encouraging or friendship is really valuable to me. And it also takes a little bit of the pressure off of me because if I feel like it is my job to disciple Brooke (laughs) and I'm responsible for all of her spiritual growth, that number one, isn't true. That's the Holy Spirit and the Bible. And Brooke also put people in an entire body of Christ who are hopefully helping make disciples of her. So, I'm not Brooke's savior. I'm not Brooke's only discipler. And right. that also helps take the pressure off a little bit because mm-hmm. it can feel to say I'm discipling someone almost sure. feels like a lot of pressure. Yeah. Is that bad? No. I think that's actually really wise and and so true and good. I think also it's really easy to idolize discipleship, to make it this holier than thou thing that you're either too intimidated to do or if you're really eager to consume it and receive it, it becomes all about well, what's Kathy doing for me? What's Kathy? Or, ugh, Kathy's not really, my last couple of hangouts with Kathy really haven't been all that impactful. I, someone else should be discipling. Like it, it makes, I think it puts an unfair weight on the discipler and it paints an inaccurate picture of your role in my life. And then that can become really unhealthy. And I think what I love that you've alluded to and even more directly said in that answer too, is this idea that discipleship shouldn't just stay narrowly one-to-one. It should be communal. Like my job isn't to just say, oh, I meet with Kathy once a week or however often. Right. And Kathy knows all my ish and all my secrets. And I say the worst things about myself to Kathy. And then, and then I leave it in her office. Like I, in full that's way too much pressure on me. That's way too much pressure on you. You're not designed to do that. And listener, whether you're receiving or giving discipleship communally or one-to-one that should bring you a lot of relief (laughs) on either side of that interaction of like one you were actually made to depend on worship and look more like christ no one else and kathy you've said it so well like we're all gifted and wired differently and part of what i love about being in the church there's a lot of things i just i love the church (laughs) kathy's gift we both really love the church i love the church we could fight over who loves it i i think it's the greatest gift god has given us outside of our salvation is Mm -hmm. the local church i think you should deeply care about your church you should love her you should attend to her you should be actively involved and i think too discipleship uniquely makes the church really beautiful and really stand out how it's actually called to in scripture because i think a few months ago, I was going on a walk with a dear friend of mine, 
and we hadn't seen each other in a while. And so she was, she's a great question asker. And so we're going on this walk and she goes, Brooke, who would you say is your closest friend right now? And I thought about it and we walk like a block and I'm like, hmm. And I said, oh, oh, oh my gosh. My closest friend is a woman who's 19 years older than me. Which is like awesome. my closest friend in this season of my life, at that season of my life was this woman who's 19 years older than me that I interact with every day. And so she has gone out of her way over time to make me feel seen, known, and loved. And I've watched how she's led her staff and pursued her friends and been really prayerful and really honest about her her leadership woes and how she feels gifted and called as a leader. Like I've watched her do all these things because she simply just invited me into her life. Yep. Ask me how many times I've hung out with that woman one-on-one. Probably not many. Once. Once. And that's the beauty of it, you know, and it's, and then it's not, I, I love, I tell people all the time, a hobby of mine is when two people that I know that don't know one another meet and connect. It is one of your favorite things. Oh, <laughs> I just think it's the greatest thing I love because my discipleship of others isn't territorial. It isn't any relationship with anyone, whether or not you would label it discipleship, isn't, oh, this person's mine or I'm theirs. It's, man, God has gifted and wired me in these really unique ways so I can bless them in this one avenue. But I love this person so much and care about their sanctification because that's where joy and hope are found that I want to connect them to this other person that's gifted and wired and can encourage them and shape them and mold them in ways that I don't have access to. Yep. And then I'm not insecure and wrestling with comparison as much because it's a joy to give that away and let discipleship do the multiplication that it's actually designed to do which brings us back back to the local church into the body. And so I think I think a beautiful thing about discipleship that I've really learned from it and been blessed by is that one discipleship models that multiplication that I think makes the church uniquely hospitable and should make the church really inviting and inclusive. Like the church should be the friendliest place anyone can walk into on any given day. Like I when people walk in here Sundays are a day that get a lot of attention around here. When people walk in on a Sunday regardless of what they believe or what they know about God, I want them to walk away being like, man, there's something different about those people. And I don't know what it is, but I want to go back and figure it out. That's that's the power of discipleship is like, hey, come, come watch me mess up. Hmm. Come watch me mess up. And I think one thing that I remember when I was first on staff, um, I was not doing well. And uh, I was I was drowning mentally, emotionally. It was hard. Spiritually, physically, like in every area, I was losing. And I think, and I was I was young. I was in my early twenties and was in seminary and was just drowning. And I remember this blonde woman just comes walking down the hall. <laughs> it was Kathy, <laughs> and Kathy goes, "Hi, I'm I'm Kathy. What's your name?" And I was like, "Oh crap, another staff person that I don't know. Oh no." <laughs> And, uh, and, and I said, oh, my name is Brooke and I'm a resident. Kathy goes, I'd love to get to know you better. Do you want to like hang out in my office sometime next week? Like text me your schedule and gave me her phone number, just walked off. And I was like, well, I guess I'm hanging out with Kathy next week, <laughs> you know? That and sounds then, like something like, I would do. <laughs> over the next few months, we just kept doing that. And I looked up like a year later and I was like, oh, she's discipling me. And it's, you know, we never sat down and defined it and never went over expectations or anything. And, and some people will give you the advice to do that. But it was just, you were genuinely pursuing me and caring for me because Jesus told you to. And then, and I saw you model that. And so then I wanted to do it, but in full transparency and confession, listener, I was scared out of my mind. I was like, I don't know enough. I'm not gifted enough. I don't have favor with anyone enough that anyone's going to want my opinion, much less my advice on anything. But I just kept 
showing up to what I felt like God was asking me to show up to. And I just said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to wait on you. Like, I'm not going to go out and manipulate this or force it. I'm just going to, I'm just going to do what you asked me to do. And then months later, I felt like the Lord gave me favor with all these young women that he was putting in front of me. And, and then I felt really pressured to be like, oh, okay, now I'm discipling these young women. I've got to have the answer to all of their questions. And one of the sweetest things God allowed to happen to me is um, I started meeting with this girl who is much more intellectually gifted than I am and asked these really hard, deep questions. And and listener, I'm going to be honest with you. One of the ways God has gifted Wired Brook Seal, I have the gift of faith. I'm the least curious person you will ever come across. I am not a question asker. You know what? Jesus died and rose again. Great. No questions asked. This is asked. how Brooke and Kathy are different. I don't need to know about propitiation. I don't need to understand how it worked physically or metaphysically. I'm like, great. Jesus rose. Praise the Lamb. Let's celebrate. I, I'm just not a curious person. And one of the first young women I ever discipled was this really curious, really intellectual girl who wanted to love Jesus and her her brain almost wouldn't let her. Like intellectually, she couldn't get there. And I remember the first few times we hung out, she would ask these questions and I would, quite frankly, in full tra- this girl and I have talked about it, so it's all good, listener, don't worry. <laughs> but I would, I would basically fake my way through an answer and then I'd go home and feel so much guilt and shame because I didn't have the answer to the question she was asking. And God used that to show me that my job wasn't to have the answer. My job was to show up and love that girl like Jesus. And that girl's curiosity made me want to be more biblically curious. And God used that young girl to disciple and encourage and sharpen me. But he also used her to show me that discipleship is also about humility. Mm -hmm. First and foremost, the humility to ask for help and to know that you need an older, wiser, godlier person to speak into your life. But also, even as the one offering the counsel, the humility to say, I don't know. Let's figure that out together. Or, you know what? I'm so sorry. Hmm. I'm just so sorry. And to just sit in silence with someone and to love them enough to cry with them and laugh with them and just show up faithfully, even if you've got nothing to give other than your presence. Hmm. And I think the Holy Spirit does that for us in a lot of ways, but He also has the answers and is infinitely wise and perfect. And I'll add to that someone who discipled me talked about, which I don't think it's bad if someone meets with you and you think there's someone better to help them. That's not all bad. But someone who discipled me basically said, if God brought someone into your life, you are probably the one who is supposed to help them. Mm-hmm. And good. so start with, if someone comes to me and I don't know the answer, which happens or is struggling with something that maybe isn't in my top, 10 struggles. Okay. My assumption is that God has brought them, first of all, for me to go to him and say, how can I help them or what can I learn? Mm. And there have been many times that I've left a meeting with someone and I've thought, I don't know a whole lot about this. And and maybe there's someone I should send them to that would be a bit better. But I will pick up the phone and call someone who I know knows something about that or is mm-hmm. better than that than me and say, can we meet for lunch and you tell me more about this? I was encountered with this and I don't know how to help. Or mm. do you have a book or a recommendation that I can go to because I don't know how to help? And yeah. so for me, when I'm encountered with people that I don't know the answer, I'm like, okay, well, can I? Can I grow as a believer to be more helpful to them? Um, is something someone who discipled me taught. And I also wanted to go back to for a minute to how you and I met or started talking mm-hmm, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and I will say this: everyone's built differently. Sure. When I'm, which I love you, bro. Don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> no, 
Totally. Like, don't remember. So, and I hope in a weird way that encourages you if you're listening, that yeah. it's not like I'd prayed for four years, felt God calling me to Brook Seal. Yeah. There was a light from heaven sure. and that I knew it was going to turn into a long-term friendship <laughs> where I would invite myself to the farm. This totally. is not, this is not at all what happened. Totally. A part of my, my personality, rhythms, giftings, how God has trained me is if I see people and I think they, I don't know them or the, or it seems that the Holy Spirit catches my attention and I notice someone or someone appears hurting, I'm real quick to say, hey, can we grab coffee or lunch? Mm-hmm. And I don't mentally have any other agenda other yep. than to get to know them and see if there's some way I can encourage them. Yeah, And I've had lots of those conversations that were a conversation and they were great and they were winsome and they were wonderful. And sometimes it's a, and again, because I know sometimes you're probably thinking, or I would have think, how do you ask someone to disciple you? Or how do you tell someone you want to disciple them? I'm not saying I've never used those words, but it became more, I met with Brooke and it seemed to be, oh, hey, you want to get together and talk about that again or whatever. And then it develops, which sometimes it can be intentional up front. But if you're thinking, well, what was it like from Kathy's side? It was a random thing that I do a lot Yeah, when there's opportunity. And sometimes the Lord uses it to become more and sometimes not. Yeah, And even as simple as, which again, I know everyone isn't built this way, but maybe we should all grow. When I walk into church on Sunday, obviously I'm a staff person. So sometimes I have things I have to do, but sometimes I'm just a believer going to church here. Mm, yeah. And because I'm single, I walk in. And especially because my schedule is a little bit erratic on Sundays, there's mm-hmm. not a certain spot I sit at and there's not a certain spot I sit with. Mm-hmm. So I'm still a person that at times walks into a room with no plan to sit with anyone and no one to sit with. Mm. And so it is pretty normal that if I do, I'll glance around and see if there's someone I know. And then I'll look for someone sitting by themselves and I'll think, it's probably not fun for them either. So yeah. I'm just going to go walk and sit down and say, hello, how are you? My name is Kathy. Now, sometimes that's all it is. And sometimes it may grow into a friendship or whatever it would grow into. And mm-hmm. so for me, developing and actually growing the habit in my life of doing those things and taking the initiative has been um, very impactful for me. Yeah, that's so good. I think too. If I could sum all that up in one sentence, it's maybe two sentences. Great. It's you can have as many discipleship <laughs> isn't this indefinite. Oh no! If I start pursuing this young girl in my workplace, I'm gonna have to meet with her for six years. No, it's just discipleship boiled down in a nutshell. Is what does obedience to Jesus in your life look like today, and what does it look like to invite the people that God puts in front of you into that? Absolutely, and I think it's. Again, I want to, because insecurity for any human, at least for me, plays into this, both as the discipler and the disciplee. Mm-hmm. Insecurity is just a thing. And sometimes those regularity of relation of meetings end. And that doesn't yeah. mean anyone's done anything wrong That's or so anything good. bad. It, yeah. it could be. Sure. But many times it's not. Yeah. There are very few people I think we have relationships with for our whole lives. Yeah. And so there are times, and Brooke knows this too, for the people that I do meet with more regularly, there are times that I will say, hey, 
Is there anything you want to study? Is there anything yeah. you want to look at? Is there anything you're wrestling with that you want to step into? And uh, there have been times, and 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 Brooke knows this, which we can cut this out if you want to, but there have <laughs> been times that I've looked at her because we've been friends for a long yeah. time. We're going to stay friends. That, yeah. that wasn't the issue. Right. But I, as the mature person in theory, which isn't always the case, but have said, hey, is there someone else that you want to meet with or would mm. be better for you to yeah. meet with? I jokingly, I think I said, do we need to break up? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, well. Going and, steady, baby. <laughs> and, and that would have made me sad on the one hand. But on the other sure. hand, I want Brooke to look more like Jesus. Mm. And if there's a person or a place or a way for her to look more like Jesus, I'm not saying that it wouldn't make me a little sad, but I would also, number one, still remain friends with you. Mm. But number two, would hopefully want that for you. Yeah, that's so good. I think it's loving somebody more than you love yourself and wanting them to go further in their walk with Jesus, even if you're not the one that takes them there yeah. or gets to walk with them. And I think that's so true, which that leads me to one of my next questions is this idea of, I think discipleship is this really fun and sweet thing that we've talked about really positively and really impactfully, but it's also discipleship is costly and it's yes. difficult. So what would you say some of the cost that you've seen in discipleship tangibly, you know, it costs you time or or whatever, how would you answer that? But also intangibly, like what does it cost you mentally, emotionally, to spiritually? Like what are some of the costs associated with discipleship? Because something I don't want to do is I don't want to paint an inaccurate picture of, oh, it's this great thing where you walk through this beautiful field with someone and you hold hands the whole time and everything goes perfectly smoothly. It's no, discipleship is messy and hard and and costly like anything in the Christian life mm -hmm. on this side of heaven. So I want to I want to be careful to paint an accurate and honest picture too of for any side of that relationship. Mm -hmm. And number 1 I appreciate that question for a variety of reasons. But I mean obviously we're sitting here laughing. We both love Jesus. I mean, Brooke's kind of the dream person to meet with, partially because she's so fun and already loves Jesus. And partially, and I will tell you this, because she's pretty humble, which she may not say that, but I'm allowed to say that, <laughs> <laughs> which makes it a whole lot easier. M many relationships aren't as easy as <laughs> maybe we'll take that out. Actually, I have a lot of great ones. So I'm maybe a little bit, maybe that's not fair to say. I do think. I would say there's three costs mm. or three categories of cost in my head, which these just popped into my mind. One of them is kind of, you talked about the measurable cost. Like mm -hmm. it actually does take time. Yeah. It actually does take not like a lot of money, but like, yeah, usually there's a lunch or a coffee or a meal. So it's going to actually take time. Yeah. And and those are real costs, which for some people that may seem like not a big deal, but particularly if you're listening and your work schedule or your life rhythms are really tight, that feels like a huge cost. And I yeah. don't want to minimize time or money because those are actual costs mm -hmm. that go into it. Number one, I would say a little bit of a way around that is invite people into things you're already doing. Yeah. Like you're sitting at a baseball game watching your nephew play baseball, invite a friend from work to come with you and hang out with you and chat at the baseball game for your nephew. I mean, I, I think that there are ways around that. The second cost is pretty much any relationship God uses to point out my sin in some regard. Mm, well, <laughs> now, yeah, we can call that a good thing. And it yeah. is. 
but I'm human and I don't always like that. Yeah. And it feels costly that I am like, I wrestle with insecurity because am I going to say the right thing? Mm. I wrestle with, would they like someone else better? I wrestle with, I don't know the answer to that. Did I look like an idiot? I Mm. wrestle with, I was tired that day and I did not handle that as well as I should. I wrestle with, I gave that person advice and later on the Holy Spirit took me to the word and said, that wasn't good advice, Kathy. That's tough. (laughs) Like, like, yeah, it is good that my sin and insecurities and weaknesses are pointed out. But to pretend like that's fun is yeah. just a lie. And it's almost never that I leave a meeting with someone really in any regard and think, nailed it. <laughs> totally was perfect. <laughs> Wouldn't change a thing I said. Advice on point. Attitude on point. Like, yeah. just to be real, if you think, yeah. when do you get to the point that you leave a meeting and think you nailed it? Well, you did not. I, I mean, you may, but like, <laughs> I'm not there yet. So sure. call me. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Send me an email. Totally. I'm ready to know what it looks like. Or how I to also get have yet to have that experience. <laughs> I'm like, I, I mean, I've walked I just, away and been like, that was a miss. <laughs> that was a miss. <laughs> Could have done that better. Yeah. Could have done that better. And, and to be honest, on the rare occasion that I think that was almost perfect, almost never do I think it was me? I think Holy Spirit. Yep. That was really cool that somehow yeah, that came you. out of my mouth because I didn't plan that. I didn't know we were going to talk about. You brought to mind something I haven't thought about in a long time. And that person resonated with, got tears in their eyes and seemed changed by it. Hmm. I almost never think that that was me. <laughs> I usually think Holy Spirit nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Like that's yeah. what I'm thinking. Okay. Yeah, he, he showed up. He and. And like, Praise God. to be honest, if he's not, I'm not yeah. hanging out with you. Like, yeah. I, yeah. I'm aware. I got nothing to bring to the table if the yep. Holy Spirit doesn't decide to show up. Yeah. And so that's true. Yeah. Okay. Here's the third thing that I think is probably the the weightiest. And that is the intangible cost, for lack of a better word, mm. is um, if you really let people know you. Yeah then sometimes they're going to hurt you. Mm. Yeah. They're going to sin against you. Yeah. They're going to take something and misuse it. And it's going to actually hurt. If mm. you choose to share your life with any person, it's going to hurt. And sometimes yeah. the person you're meeting with that's discipling you or that you're discipling is going to legitimately hurt you. It's not fun. Yeah. Sometimes I'm going to hurt the other person. And that is not fun. Mm-mm. I don't yeah. like that when I do that. Yeah. Sometimes, actually, I feel like most of the time, if someone really invites you in and you really invite them, they're going to share some pretty deep burdens and hurt. Mm-hmm. And when you bear people's burdens, it's called a burden. Yeah. It weighs and on you. And if you're bearing it with them and someone has told you about, uh, and and some of them are big things. Someone's told you about abuse in their life. Mm. Someone's invited you into wrestling with a relationship, a family relationship, a, a spouse, a parent. Someone has invited you into a work situation where you're being treated unjustly or it's not going well. Like someone's invited you into the fact that financially it's hard. Yeah. I... I get to, and I have to, mm. and we're talking about the hard part of it now, so I'm going to say have to, Yeah, 
I have to bear that burden and that hurts emotionally and tangibly. And to be honest, sometimes there's things that I can say that can be helpful, but I'm not God and I'm not the savior. And sometimes, in fact, I can think of two instances recently where I've said to people, I'm going to sit with you in the pit and I'm going to point to Jesus and I'm going to pray and we're going to hope together. Because at that point, there was no specific wisdom to offer. There was no solution or nothing I could help with. And I just said, I'm in the pit with you. I wrote them both notes so that it was something tangible I could do to communicate. This is more than just me saying, I'm going to sit with you here. It is, this is really hard and I'm not going anywhere. And you know what? Sitting with them in the pit isn't fun. Yeah. Now, is it a gift from the Lord and something he's using to show me more of himself? Yes. Could I espouse some spiritual positives that I really care about? Sure. But to pretend like it doesn't keep me up at night, it doesn't hit the pit of my stomach, it doesn't make me physically tired to bear people's burdens, mm. that would be untrue. Yeah. I wouldn't change it, Yeah, but it is hard and um, it is costly. And there are definitely times that the phone rings or the text comes and I don't want to do it. Yeah, Or it's the person that I've like. I don't, I've told you this so many times, I don't know how to help you. Yeah. Or it's the person that you used to disciple or mentor and you see their photos on social media and you know what they're choosing to do with their life and it's not follow Jesus. There's a part of it that because I'm human, I'll think, oh, it's my fault. What should I have done different? Mm. And maybe I should have, but most of the time it's not. Yeah. Most of the time it's, it just breaks my heart that that person's not walking with Jesus. And as I'm saying these things, I'm not listening to you people's names, but I have names of actual people (laughs) in my head. So these aren't to me ideas or I've heard this can be a problem. No, (laughs) these are real Real burdens and costs that are part of the deal. And, and to be honest, I'll say this. I've been that person for someone else at times. Yeah. And though, that's the moment that wants to make me cry. The people yeah. that over and over told me truth, walked with me in the pit, were willing to step into the most painful things in my life and not leave. Mm. On the one hand, I'm talking about the cost. And on the other hand, when I said up front, I can't imagine what my life would be without it. Those are the things that I look at those people and you'd think I'd do anything for them because they stood with me in the pit when other people were afraid to or didn't care or didn't know the right thing to say or do. And that wasn't, that wasn't everyone. Some people, not everyone can walk with you through every pit and that's okay. But there are people that didn't, that knew and didn't. Mm. And the people that knew and did and said, I love Jesus enough to love you enough to stay. Those are the people that I think, why, why God did you, why did you choose to bless me with them? Mm-hmm. Because I'm not sure. I don't know. I, I, it's not that I think I'm special, but there is that part of you that thinks, man, I hope everybody gets some of those people. Yeah. And I think that is a part of the reason that discipleship and staying with people over the long haul is probably really important to me 
is because there's some people who did. And I, I think he was insufficient. Mm. That's beautiful. Praise the Lord. I, 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 I literally just got chills and tears kind of go through my eyes. And I'm like, man, yeah. I couldn't. I don't, I don't know what my life would have been without them. And I, again, it, it, I know that you can think. And don't get me wrong. I do think we need to learn things to become better disciples. Mm-hmm. I don't think just showing up in the pit and not bothering to learn how to help is a good thing. I mm. don't. But don't leave the pit with someone. If someone has invited you into their pit, I'm not saying if they're abusing you in any way. And sometimes you have to leave people in the pit if they refuse to take the clear way out. Mm-hmm. But just stay. Mm. Just yeah. stay. That's good. Praise God. Well, I think um, I've loved getting to sit with you and chat about discipleship, something we're both passionate about and have been impacted by. And I think I would love, you know, kind of assuming the role as the one who has received and consumed a lot. I would love um, as we close um, we've been chatting for a while, so hopefully it's a blessing to those who hear it. But um, in closing, I I would love to um, hear from you. Any closing thoughts, anything you feel like we didn't cover that, or just a last thing you want to leave people with. And then I would love for you to pray for us to close our time together. And, and I'll say too, Kathy, um, I think you articulated the cost of discipleship so beautifully. And, and again, obedience to Jesus will always be costly, yep. but he's never going to ask you to do more than what he's already done for you. Um, and I think, uh, the key to discipleship isn't being extroverted. It's just being obedient and being who God made you to be and to go where God is only going to send you. Mm -hmm. And I think too, if you're a younger person or someone who's hungry to be discipled, maybe you're a new believer or you're new to Christ chapel, or you're just really on fire in your faith and you just want help to grow. Um, discipleship can be costly for you too. There are I will say, listener, to the women who have discipled me, Kathy being one of them, I have had to put my heart on my sleeve and be really honest about the things that I don't know, the things I don't understand, my feelings towards the Lord in certain seasons, and and my sin. Um, women that have discipled me have been the women that know the worst things about me. They're the people I've confessed my darkest secret and most intimate sins to. Um, and they kept showing up to Kathy's point. And so praise God for that. And I think too, I think a sweet cost, a really bittersweet cost of discipleship is watching someone grow outside of you and even God call them away from it's you. It's the best. It's the, it's, it's the, also the best. The wor- You're holier than me. It's also the worst. It's also the worst when- <laughs> to tell people bye. Right. Okay, I think, it I think it, it totally is. Like, it totally is. Okay. It's the best, but like. When, it's the best. It's, okay. It's the best when I look on social media and see yeah. someone walking with Jesus and I used to disciple them and I haven't yeah. talked to them in 10 years. Yeah. It kind of is my favorite. Yeah. And I'm not as holy as you. I'm not there yet. Well, <laughs> I, and, and it breaks your heart. It does. I, I think one thing over the last year, and I would love to hopefully be an encouragement to the listeners as we close with this, is it's so good that discipleship is to Jesus and not to us. Um, so that we can be joyful when we watch people be sent out into the world and even away from us and into obedience to Jesus. And what a privilege to walk with people so closely and intimately to get to send them out into the world, you know? Um, 
and hopefully sending them out knowing that they're loved and always have a home base and someone to come back to that's rooting for them and in their corner and quick to pray for them. And um, even as a, a young adult woman myself, as someone who's gotten to walk with a lot of younger women, um, one of the biggest privileges and most costly sacrifices is building a relationship with women that you do bear their burdens and share their joy and hopefully help them multiply the fruit in their life and the people they're reaching and what their obedience to Jesus looks like. And then you send them out into the world and that relationship ends and looks different and shifts and change as it should. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. And it really just does make you, I discipleship has made me know and love Jesus more in how the women who have discipled me have blessed me and even in their limits and in their failures. Um, I have come to know and love Jesus more because of the women that have loved me enough to pursue me and prioritize Mm -hmm. me and point me to Jesus. So praise God for that. Hmm. Um, Man, I feel like we've just barely gotten started. I know. (laughs) When you're like, close it out, I'm like, what? How? I know. No. Um, So I think I have a couple of things I want to say. One, and Brooke knows this, which I gave her the mic. And the only thing I told her was, <laughs> I said, I want of all the things I want people to know when they hear about discipleship, it's, there are a thousand things I can't act like there was one, but I told Brooke, I said, it's very important to me that people hear from you and your heart and why it matters to you mm-hmm. because the mutuality of walking together with someone is very important to me. And mm-hmm. so I'm going to say there are a thousand things I've learned for Brooke, but a couple of them I appreciate is the genuineness of her heart. She's not perfect, and she'd be the first to tell you that. <laughs> but, like, she actually really loves Jesus and really loves people. Like, there's not there's not guile. There's not deception in that. It's not – it is your job, but it's not your job. Mm-hmm. Like, that's really who you are. And anytime I can spend time around someone like that, it makes it makes me better. And it makes me feel safe because people that really love Jesus and really love people are safe. They might say hard things to you, but don't leave them. They're safe. Mm. Brooke's safe. And I think something, there are a couple things, actually there are a thousand things she does better than me. But when I think about one of the things I've also learned from Brooke is how quick she is to notice and stop and make someone feel welcome, even if she has a lot going on. I really value that as I watch her from a distance. And it's very um, winsome and encouraging. And I could say more and I want to, but I will not because Brooke might interrupt me. But (laughs) I really mean it when I say it is a blessing to me to walk with people and see Jesus in you. And I think the second thing that I want to end with is um, being discipled and discipling others is how you know and love Jesus. And so I would say it's not going to look like I do it. It's not going to look like Brooke does it. But if you aren't in a place where there's someone you're watching or learning from, and it can even be a peer, a friend that you think is really good at something, make sure or join a small group or reach out to us for a mentor. Have someone in your life that you're watching and or even if you're not meeting with them, 
and they can mean a small group, have someone you're watching and be intentional about whether you think you have the answer or not. If you are a person that has a hard time stopping someone in the hallway and saying, will you get a coffee, which isn't hard for me, then you know what? You probably need to intentionally sign up for something. Sign up to lean a small group, sign up to be a mentor, sign up to volunteer in kids ministry, sign up to lead a middle school small group. If, if those things are harder for you, then do one hard thing and sign up one time. (laughs) And then the people there will help you know what to do. Mm -hmm. And I say that, um, I understand that that one call is really hard and that's okay. But if that's hard for you, then sign up for that or ask one person at work to go to lunch and just get to know them um, and grow in discipleship. You're going to get better, hopefully in time as you walk with Jesus. Um, But really why I want it for you, I want it for a thousand reasons but being discipled and discipling others has given me more of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And as much as I'm really glad I know Brooke, I really like Brooke. I I like Jesus more and, and Brooke likes Jesus more than me. And we can openly admit that. Yep. I want you to have more of Jesus. And I think discipleship is a means to that. And I want you to have Jesus. Praise God. Am I supposed to pray or are you praying? <laughs> we didn't talk about you talked about me starting it. I'm so sorry. You pray. You pray. I'm so sorry. Yep. This is what we do. We talk about spiritual I'm so sorry. You pray. laugh a lot. You okay, pray. Okay. I'm going to pray. <laughs> oh, God. Thank you for Brooke. Um, I love her. I love who she is. I love that you let me be her friend. Um, God, I love the people that I have run through my mind that have discipled me and let me watch them have let me get close enough thank you for those people bless them today for the people that if for some reason wanted to be close enough to me to maybe pick something up from lord thank you for those relationships i've learned from them as well i'm just really grateful um jesus we know the cost of discipleship we watched one of your disciples turn you in to be murdered um, by no means is discipleship easy, and I've never experienced that cost. In the moments where it's costly, enable us to stay. In the moments where it's joyful, help us to stop and enjoy. And thanks for, um, just thanks for being who you are and let us know you and giving us the joy of discipleship together. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more episodes, be sure to follow Encouraged and Equipped.